Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, February the 2nd, 2023. To borrow some immortal words of the great Bob Dylan, everything seems to be broken in our culture, in our society, in our politics, and above all else, in our economy. The two areas which seem to be particularly broken, I think, in the United States, at least in February 2023, are capitalism and democracy. That at least according potentially to my guest today, Raymond W. Baker, who is the author of Invisible Trillions, How Financial Secrecy is Imperiling Capitalism and Democracy in the Way to Renew Our Broken System. Everything is broken, Raymond uh, Baker. What exactly do you mean by that? What aspects of our capitalist and democratic systems are broken? Capitalism and democracy used to work in sync um, to spread prosperity and secure liberty. They're not working in sync uh, today. Capitalism in particular has taken on a different motivation uh, than it had at the time of its creation, going back to the 1700s and lasting all the way through the mid 20th century. The motivations were basically making profits, uh, um, producing public goods, um, um, and so forth. But since then, capitalism has taken on the motivation to operate in secret. And so we now have a capitalist system that is basically operating outside of control of democracy, no longer operating in sync with democracy. So Raymond, um, accountability, visibility, this is a secret economy. Why does democracy need to work with a capitalist system which is visible, which is transparent, at least in its financial context? Um, how does it uh, how does it not work um, with a transparent uh, and accountable capitalist system? If democracy has no control over and no no effective ability um, uh, uh, to regulate the capitalist system, how can it assure a fair measure of prosperity uh, for the citizens in that capitalist system? Um, without that, um, you have raging inequality, which is what has happened in the United States and in many, many other countries over the past um, uh, half century. Democracy cannot effectively function when inequality is continuously rising. I, I, I take that point, Raymond, but I'm not clear on the, what the connection is between financial secrecy and inequality. We all know it's perfectly obvious, and, and they're not shy to show off about this, that Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are the two richest men in the world. They flaunt their money, their wealth on space programs, on new yachts, on new wives. Um, what's secretive about the financial system that enables a Musk or a Bezos or a, Waffen, a Warren Buffett to become multi-billionaires? 
We have created a financial secrecy system that comprises a number of elements, which I can go through. But these elements are essentially available to the wealthy who uh, can gain access uh, to, to these secrecy mechanisms, can hire the people necessary to operate the secrecy mechanisms for them, and so forth. And in so doing, can move and hide massive amounts of money that are invisible um, to regulatory authorities. In other words, they can collect uh, enormous amounts of wealth in part not in total, but in part through the mechanisms of the financial secrecy system. I can go through those elements um, if you're if you're. Uh, no, I, I take your point, and I'm. I I I, I think I in, I'm, I'm not an expert like you. I I I think I probably, in overall terms, agree with you. But what would you make of the flaunting of wealth of the trillions, the visible trillions? of our current multi-billionaire class. Is this separate or is it somehow bound up in it? We it's know that um, we know that uh, Musk and Bezos and, 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 and Buffett are worth many billions of dollars. There's nothing invisible about that. Um, no, but the ways in which they were able to accumulate that in many ways are um, uh, secret. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, Andrew. When I graduated from school with a master's degree um, in 1960, the ratio you uh, you, uh, you 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 graduated from uh, from Harvard, right? Yes, yes, Harvard Business School. The ratio of executive pay to workers' wages was 20 to one. Today, that ratio is more than 350 to one. Now, not all of that is due to the financial secrecy system, but a good part of it is because the wealthy are able to use tax havens and secrecy jurisdictions and disguised corporations and anonymous trust accounts and fake foundations and so forth that systems that are just simply unknown to and unavailable to the middle class and the poor. So in part, um, inequality has been driven by the availability of secrecy mechanisms. These mechanisms did not exist, except just barely, did not exist before mid-20th century. I take your point in terms of the wealthy being able to multiply their wealth so that they become extremely wealthy. But isn't the problem the fact that the CEO these days uh, uh, earns whatever it is, three, four, a thousand times more than than the worker, whereas 50 years ago, they only earned 20 times as much. Isn't that the real problem with the system rather than the invisibility of our financial system? Well, part of the way in which they have been able to drive their own wealth far in excess of uh, the wealth of the middle class is by making use of the financial secrecy system. I have never known a multinational, multi-billion dollar, multi-product corporation that did not use the financial secrecy system, at least in some uh, significant parts uh, of their business. The most frequently used mechanism is the misinvoicing of trade. What I mean by that, Andrew, is that 
um, the invoice value on a transaction is different from the legitimate value of the transaction. The invoice price and the legitimate value differ. This is done all the time. It has become utterly normalized uh, um, um, in, in business, um, in transactions between countries, and even transactions between states in the United States. If you want to move money out of a state that has, move some of your profits out of a state that has high income tax, you can use trade misinvoicing to shift that income. Yeah, I, I take your point, Raymond, but it's it's still not convincing because the, the problem, it seems to me, and, and this is more than just a, a, a tautological uh, disagreement or a, a semantic one, the problem seems to be not the consequences of America's capitalist system, but capitalism itself, which enables the wealthy to earn so much money. The fact that they make more wealth through financial secrecy is not a good thing, but isn't the problem with capitalism itself? I don't think so. I think uh, the democratic capitalist system is the best invention in political economy that has ever been created. The democracy component is still abiding by its original aspirations. The capitalist component is not. The capitalist component over the last 250 years has taken on this new motivation to operate outside the control of democracy. And that is what is enabling the vast dis uh, 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 disparity that has arisen in American but society. Raymond, you're, you're dancing around the, the issue that I keep on raising that you, you're not willing to address. The, the problem is, uh, the, or the, the, the question is, why are American executives earning so much more than American workers in 2023 compared to they did in, in 1960 or 1940 or 19, perhaps even 1920? That's got nothing to do with invisible trillions. That's got to do with the, the mechanism of American capitalism. The fact that they make more money through investing or reinvesting in the financial secrecy system is, I, I agree, is a problem, but it's not the core problem. I don't think capitalism itself is the core problem. I um, I mentioned to you that I, and you repeated, I graduated from Harvard Business School in 1960. That 15-year period post-World War II was, in my judgment, the most uh, the most effective period of responsible capitalism that we've ever seen uh, in America. Um, the, the system worked. Um, uh, banks and uh, uh, loaned money, consumption rose, employment, uh, um, veterans trained for new jobs. That was a highly responsible period in American capitalism. Had that 20 to 1 ratio that I mentioned to you between executive pay and workers' pay, had that ratio been maintained up to today, that 20 to 1 uh, ratio, had that been maintained up to today, the middle class would have 50 trillion dollars more than they yeah, have. I mean, you, you don't need to convince me of this, and I don't think there's any debate about this, but the question is why? Why have we gone from the 20 to 1 ratio to the 200 or the 2,000 to 1 ratio in the last 50 years? 
And it seems to me that that's a consequence of American financial or capitalism, neoliberalism, whatever words you want to use. You, you talk about the 1960s being an ideal period. I'm not sure everyone, at least at the time, would agree. Galbraith wrote his Affluent Society. C. C. Wright Mills wrote the Paralete in the 50s, which were very critical, although American capitalism changed in the 60s. Why, Raymond, in your view? Was it the, the politics of the time, uh, the great society, or the consequences of FDR's um, uh, FDR's uh, New Deal politics, or or was it somehow a reflection of American economic capitalism itself, industrial capitalism? Galbraith and others were writing in the sixties. I I was speaking of the period from nineteen forty five to nineteen sixty as being a period of 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 highly responsible uh, uh, capitalism. To some extent, Andrew, you're 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 asking, isn't this just greed? And and I don't think so. Um, I've known lots of people who functioned within uh, the financial secrecy system um, that I didn't think were greedy, and they didn't. I don't think they thought they were greedy. I think they thought that the right thing to do is to move money where in their judgment, it can be most productive, can earn the most, can be the most profitable, can be out of- Yeah, the I, yeah I, I take the point on the financial secrecy and I tend to be sympathetic to them. They're just playing by the rules. But let's just say that this financial secrecy was gotten away with in, and, and, and suddenly all the rules that you're, you're very critical uh, about changed. You'd still have- the, the vast inequities of earnings and of wealth in this country, wouldn't you? It would it would it would begin to change and move in the other direction. It would begin to move toward a more equitable system. Yes, there are a number of explanations as to why the uh, ultra wealthy um, have been able to accumulate so much. And I don't try to explain all of those. Some people uh, um, say it's all about technology. Uh, um, I don't agree with that. I think the financial secrecy system has been a central component of this, and without it, inequality would be less. Period. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, no one's no one's questioning that inequality would be less, but whether or not it would be profoundly changed. Do you think we we did a show last year with Casey uh, Mikel, uh, one of the great critics of American? financial capitalism. He has a new book out called American Kleptocracy. Has the financially secretive system, has it created a kind of kleptocracy in America, Raymond? Well, I, I am cautious in using the word kleptocracy. I certainly think there are an awful lot of Russian uh, uh, kleptocrats um, in fact, more money has come out of China um, uh, than out of Russia. Um, whether you whether the word kleptocrat is appropriate um, um, in the American context, um, I don't know. Um, I won't argue with Casey Michelle, whom I uh, uh, respect. Um, but uh, there has certainly been a a a motivation to accumulate huge amounts of wealth and keep that accumulation uh, to a very significant extent um, um, to accumulate it in ways that cannot be monitored and controlled. 
Capitalism has taken control of the mechanisms of democracy. Is are you keen on the term uh, neoliberalism, uh, Raymond? We've done a number yeah. of shows on that. Is that the problem that capitalism has essentially been financialized? I think that's a big part of the problem. I think neoliberalism uh, is steadily being shot down as a viable uh, um, mechanism for uh, moving forward. I would agree with that. Um, neoliberalism basically uh, was the idea that we should turn the market loose um, um, and let it do uh, what it uh, wants to do. Uh, but that has contributed uh, to inequality. At the end of the day, you've got to have an equal society, not to, not not completely, but a, a society that offers equal opportunities, fair opportunities in the economic realm. Yeah, I don't think uh, you'll find many people um, debating you on, on that one, Raymond. Um, in a couple of weeks, I've got the great uh, Financial Times uh, economics writer, uh, Martin Wolf on the show. He's an old friend. In fact, we grew up on the same street in London. He has a new book out called The Crisis of Democratic Capitalism. My sense is you're in Wolf's camp, that you believe that there is a crisis of democratic capitalism and that both capitalism and democracy are imperiled by the financially secretive system that you're so critical of. Is that fair? Absolutely correct. Um, Martin Wolf uh, has written brilliantly on this, uh, not only in his book, but um, in uh, in the Financial Times. Uh, there is there is hardly a word that I disagree with. I think he's absolutely spot on. Um, he and I could quibble over tiny little details, but uh, um, I think he's spot on. I think his book is brilliant. I don't want to turn this into a conversation about Donald Trump, Raymond, because we've had too many conversations uh, over the years about Trump. But is he a, a symptom or a cause of, of, of your critique? He seems to be someone who has operated, and I use this word carefully, brilliantly within the financially secretive system of contemporary American capitalism. Is he exhibit A, both in terms of the crisis of capitalism and of democracy for you? He is certainly an example of someone who has utilized secrecy uh, very much to his own advantage. Um, and whether that's all in the realm of tax evasion or um, um, uh, other criminal activities or so forth, I leave up to the judges uh, and the courts uh, uh, to decide. But that degree of wealth uh, accumulated off the backs of others um, is, is certainly in part um, a, a consequence of being able to uh, operate uh, in secrecy. Tax evasion has become sport in America. Um, yeah, and, and Trump is, uh, is, is a professional in that area when it comes he's, to he's the, the sport child. of tax evasion. Absolutely. He's the poster child for um, um, uh, tax evasion. And that, as I say, uh, it has become widely uh, uh, done. Uh, uh, so how much of this, um, Raymond, is rooted in politics? We had a show last week with Lee Drutman, uh, uh, a political uh, scientist, uh, very much uh, arguing in favor of multi-party democracy. He thinks that's a fix to 
the way in which our politics and perhaps our economy is broken. Is the problem with the two-party system that neither party is capable of, of, of reforming American capitalism? I don't know, Andrew. I won't argue the question of a two-party or a parliamentary system or what have you. What I will say is that the forces of capitalism have spent billions of dollars to take control of the democratic process um, through lobbying, through campaign donations, um, and so forth. I said, I said uh, a moment ago, capitalism has bought democracy. It's bought and paid for what it wants and what it doesn't want out of democratic uh, processes. To me, the Citizens United uh, decision by the Supreme Court which enabled um, uh, corporations to influence elections um, was the worst decision by the court since um, 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 Plessy, the railroad uh, decision um, on separate but equal in um, the late 1800s. Citizens United at some point has got to be uh, reversed. Corporations cannot be in the business of influencing elections. That that. Uh, that's the ultimate example of capitalism taking control of the democratic process. So you're in favor of taking all money out of politics, of doing away with the lobbying system. The reason I ask is because when I'm talking to you, you know, sometimes you sound almost like a Marxist, someone who's deeply critical of American capitalism and American democracy, and yet you're still also a defender of it. You still are not willing to accept that maybe what's needed is not so much reform, but revolution. Uh, no, I'm not in favor of revolution. I said to you, I think the democratic capitalist system is the best invention yet. Um, uh, capitalism is meant to turn, turn loose energy uh, for innovation and um, uh, um, um, growth and profitability and success. Democracy is intended to give uh, a fair measure of, uh, of uh, liberty to everybody. These two systems are capable of working uh, well together, but they are at the present time becoming decoupled, no longer operating well together. I'm still a, uh, dedicated to the democratic capitalist system. I've owned many businesses uh, in my career, done business all over the world, still have a number of companies. I believe in the capitalist system. I believe it has to be run in a far more transparent and accountable way than it is being run currently. We've done a number of shows with other defenders of the capitalist or the principle of capitalism, one with the financial journalist Alan Murray, who we talked to about capitalism discovering a soul, another with my old friend Dov Seidman on making capitalism more moral. Is the issue... Um, Raymond, not so much with capitalism itself, but with capitalists. You went to the Harvard Business School. You said you graduated in 1960. Do we need to be making uh, the, the young men and women coming out of Harvard Business School and Stanford Business School, do we need to be making them more moral? They, they're, they're taught morality in, in these fancy schools, and yet when they come out, they turn into Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. I want to see the business schools turning out students who are prepared to be transparent and accountable in their activities. If they come out with that, 
um, they'll be okay. If they come out with a desire to take every possible advantage of the system for their own wealth, we will not be uh, uh, well off. But um, when I, uh, during my years at Harvard Business School, um, we didn't study morality so much as we studied responsibility. And I had several professors, uh, um, in fact, we had a course called Business Responsibility in the American Society, which of course we nicknamed Braz. But the, um, um, the, um, um, that, was, that, was the, that was the kind of education that we came out with. Today, I am not sure how many students come out um, of business schools with a recognition that the financial secrecy system enables them to operate outside the law outside the bounds of accountability and responsibility. Uh, I'm not sure how many come out with that. And indeed, one of the things that I think we will do going forward with my book is to engage uh, business schools much more deeply on these issues. Will the, the so-called decoupling of globalization in the, in the 2020s, is that going to make a change? Is the reform, um, Raymond, at least in, in, in your mind, does it require uh, more, if you like, of a, 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 a nationalization of financial laws? After all, Americans can park their money in Barbados, in the Bahamas, is what uh, Max Friedman, uh, uh, Sam uh, Friedman, uh, Bankman Fried did. Um, there's all sorts of dirty money awash in the system. We've done many shows on this with British journalists like Oliver Bullo and, and Tom Burgess. Um, do we need to nationalize financial systems? And both Bullo and Burgess, by the way, actually see the American system and particularly the American financial agencies of the state as being much more effective than, say, their British counterparts. I would agree with that assessment. Neither one of them are particularly uh, good. Um, let me give you an example um, in the case of the United States. Um when banks see uh, what looks like suspicious money, uh, money that has been laundered or has a criminal source or uh, um, a, uh, from a corrupt government official or something, they are expected to file a report with the U.S. Financial Intelligence Agency, which is called FinCEN. Can you imagine how many reports are filed on a regular basis? On average, 80 thousands a day. What that means is that the U.S. banking system is basically willing to take in every dollar that is presented to us, provided we have some flimsy excuse uh, for accepting it, and then just filing a report uh, with FinCEN. That has to change. Right. That's Frank, Frank Vogel's point, of course, in Enablers. It's Casey Michael's point as well. Many other critics, including yourself. Finally, um, uh, uh, finally, Raymond, um, this is still a dull issue for, for politicians. Uh, Ron DeSantis, for example, seems obsessed with the teaching of African-American history in schools, which doesn't seem to me to be particularly important one way or the other. Uh, but this core issue seems to be mostly ignored by politicians. Are there national politicians who 
who who are beginning to address this question? And if not, why not? Yes, there are politicians that are beginning to address it and not just beginning. You can go back to uh, Carl Levin, uh, who for many years, um, uh, Senator Carl Levin, many years was head of the um, permanent subcommittee on investigations and conducted uh, dozens of, of hearings uh, on issues surrounding financial skullduggery. Uh, today, um, Senator um, uh, Whitehouse is prominent in this issue. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is prominent uh, in this issue. Um, uh, William Cassidy wants to uh, uh, curtail the misinvoicing of trade, which I spoke about. The reason I wrote my book, Andrew, is because a lot of us, including politicians, have been addressing individual components of this problem without understanding how serious it is altogether. We are dealing with a systemic problem, not just a series of little adjustments that need to be made. We're dealing with a systemic problem that is threatening to the democratic capitalist system. I wanna see the democratic capitalist system survive and prosper. And I understand that it is the capitalist component that has to get back in sync with democracy if this is going to last through the 21st century.